This is the Human-Centric Investing Podcast with John Deal, where we look at the world of investing through the eyes of our clients. Over to you, John. Hello, financial advisors. This is John Deal, Senior Vice President of the Applied Insights Team at Hartford Funds. Welcome to Episode 39 of the Human-Centric Investing Podcast. Joining me again today for for today's podcast is Kevin Nichols. Kevin is Director of Coaching and Social Media at the Oxley Institute. If you're not familiar with the Oxley Institute, they do research on affluent investors and elite advisors, and they help us to understand what's working and what isn't when it comes to marketing to, of financial advisors, especially in, in regards to today's topic in the area of social media. And uh, if you haven't had a chance yet to listen to episode 38, the one immediately preceding this, I think it'd be very helpful because in that episode, Kevin talked a lot about the digital space and and what search methods are used in terms of how do we be, get ourselves located and, and advertising and how we get started with all that stuff. But today, we're going to be extending that topic. And Kevin, first of all, I want to thank you for, for joining me again on today's podcast. Hey, John, I'm happy to be back. So we're going to talk about uh, this content that we created with the Oxley Institute titled The Affluent Digital Code. And you can find information about this content and actually a workbook for advisors at hartfordfunds.com slash code. Again, that's hartfordfunds.com slash code. And, you know, before we get into this topic, I just have to add the disclosure that prior to implementing any of the strategies that we reference in our content today, we urge you to please consult with your firm's legal and compliance teams about the the social media policies of your firm and any requirements that are that are there to participate in social media programs if they are allowed because this is very important right social media is always developing and look the folks in our compliance areas they have rules that they have to live by too and we want to make sure that we're not crossing that line even as we try to access information that's most accessible uh, to consumers today. So, Kevin, let's start off a little bit where we left off. We were talking about kind of the importance of these new means of communication. I say new. Well, guys like me, they're new, but uh, new (laughs) methods of communication. But today I want to lead off and speak specifically about how affluent consumers are using social media to find financial advisors. So uh, what is it that they're doing today? What are they kind of, what does your research say about this? So we've researched this topic for uh, for quite some time, right? You know, how do the affluent go about searching for a financial advisor? And heretofore, it's something that you kind of all know intuitively. And our research just kind of confirms it, that it's primarily word of mouth, right? I ask friends and family and colleagues and neighbors, who do you recommend? Now, and that's really always been the case. Now, looking back at this research, and this is what makes this research so interesting to me, is this is the first time ever that we had a segment of affluent investors that would start online. Like that would be the initial point, the initial starting point for searching for a financial advisor. So if you recall from the research project, we researched 403 affluent investors with at least 500,000 or more in investable assets. And we had three segments that we broke down by age, kind of an under 45 group, a 45 to 65 group, and then a 65 and older group. And that under 45 group said, I would start my search by you know, pulling out my phone or getting on my laptop and running a search, which I'm telling you was just 
kind of earth shattering for us um, as a company. Um, and because, I mean, and again, we, you know, we just report the research. Um, but for us, is that a telltale sign that this is going to be a growing trend? I, I, I don't know, but you know, I, I bet that, um, you know, I, I could see it being the case. I mean, I think that's how we approach a lot of things nowadays when it comes to doing due diligence is that we have, you know, Google at our disposal. So we, we pull up a search and we educate ourselves that way. S- Kevin, really can, Kevin, can I ask did that searching, did that vary by, did you mention did that vary by age group or is it pretty consistent across the ages? No, it was the under 45 group. That was the primary way they would start. And then secondly, they would ask friends and family uh, for recommendations. Now, the over 45, you know, the 45 to 65 and the 65 and up group, they would start by traditional word of mouth, asking around friends and family and such. But again, this is the first time we ever had any segment of our research that said, you know what, I would start online. Well, and I would think, I mean, even practically speaking, Kevin, right, your research was where would they start online but I would guess that even if they didn't start online, like if they, t- I mean, I know it, it's not in your data, but if I asked friends and family about who I should go see, you can darn well believe that I'd probably go online and check out who they recommended, right? So my my start, did, I didn't start there, but online was probably, in those cases, even a, a pretty major confirmation tool, I would think. That's such, that's such a good point. And we actually, we, we did ask a follow-up question to this. We we asked a question that I think hits upon exactly what you're referring to, which you know, if an affluent investor gets referred to you as a financial advisor, will they still look you up online? So even if, if I'm your neighbor and I'm saying, hey, John, you need to talk to, to, to Don, you know, my advisor, he's fantastic. You know, if I'm under 45, 94% of the time they say, yes, I'm going to research you online, even though you're referred. 45 to 65 said 94% said they would do that as well. And then the over 65 category, 83% said that they would run a search even when they referred, were referred to an advisor. So you just see the, the role and how important um, that digital presence is online. So it may not be fair to ask you this, but why do you think that changed? I mean, why, why the shift in, in the younger generation, especially to say, well, I'm going to start online versus starting with friends and family? Any, any guesses? Yeah, I think we could speculate a lot. I just, I think it's more of a cultural thing. Um, I think it's growing up with the technology. I think it's the, um, you know, how tied we are to our phones. Um, I think that, and and I, I would, I wish we could take a look at that data and drill it down by what means. Like, are we looking through? Is it through mobile? Is it through desktop? Um, but I would bet that it's mostly mobile, right? Mm-hmm. It's just ease of use. I mean, I, we research you know, almost anything. I, I mean, I, I drive my wife crazy because we could be at, you know, Target and I'm researching toothpaste, right? Because I'm like, before we buy it and she's like, hey, it's just toothpaste, like just pick out something, you know? And I'm like, well, I want to see what's the highest rated, right? Um, and when you think about word of mouth and the trends, like, does that become more of a factor in terms of ratings and, and so forth? Um, I, I, think, I think it does. Well, you know, Kevin, last time we talked a lot about how much time affluent investors are spending on Facebook with their conversations. Is that the tool that they're using to find financial advisors? Yeah. So when it goes about, when we talk about search, um, for first and foremost, Google is, is the dominant player w- without a doubt. So you're thinking about the intent of, uh, I'm going to do some research or seek out a financial advisor. Uh, the number one was Google. Number two was actually LinkedIn, 
which makes sense. Wow. I mean, a professional social network, I'm going to run a search on LinkedIn to see who I can find. And then number three was Facebook. So that's kind of the, the hierarchy in terms of um, the networks that they would use in terms of going about that initial search. There's a, a, is there a big difference between these tools or not so much? Yeah, huge difference. I mean, Google, without a doubt, was the dominant player. And then after that, then LinkedIn and then Facebook's kind of way down on the list when it comes to you know, searching for a financial advisor. So what are some of the things I should be thinking about in terms of being found on Google if that's such a kind of a primary search engine? Yeah, uh, good question. So the first thing you want to be thinking about is, you know, having a really nice, robust, you know, Google My Business profile. Um, you want that to be complete. Um, if you're kind of wondering, well, what is that? It's basically a tool that allows you to take more control over your presence on Google, including search and, and map. Um, it just, again, it gives you more control. So you can actually show, you know, have certain pictures up there or a bio up there. You can post regularly to it. Um, that's probably the first thing I would start is with that Google My Business. Um, then I would think hard about Google Ads. Um, I, I, I would really consider thinking about certain keywords that you want to target in your, you know, geography that you're going after. And I would, you know, take a course and maybe get even Google Ads certified. And it's not that hard to do. It's totally free through, um, through Google and learn about that and, and kind of pay to play a little bit. Because we've seen plenty of advisors get, you know, a, a number of new clients just from having, you know, some really good Google ads and doing it consistently. And then the third thing that you want to be thinking about just from a Google standpoint is just organic SEO. So how do I, you know, not necessarily paying Google to display, you know, uh, you know, as an ad, but how do I just naturally pop up when someone searches financial advisor, Greensboro, North Carolina, how do I elevate to the top of those search rankings you know, organically without having to pay. And there's a lot involved with that. And you might even want to consider hiring someone to help you out with some SEO uh, techniques. But um, those are kind of the three main kind of things that I, that I would be thinking about. Google My Business, without a doubt. Google Ads is, is an easy way immediately to get at the top of those search rankings. Um, and then third would be you know, some organic SEO work. Kevin, can you give me an idea of, you know, what would an advisor expect to pay? I'm sure that something makes it range all over the place, but what would I pay for a, a Google ad, for example? What determines that? Yeah, it's, it's going to be based on the competitiveness of, of the keyword. And, and really, it's, it's more of, a, of an auction where you're going to put in um, a certain budget. So you can, and you can play around with this. You could say, hey, I'm going to spend $8 a day. Right. Let's just see how it does. And you're going to be able to look in the back end and see all the analytics and the number of people driven to your profile and all that good stuff. Um, but, you know, it, it just it just depends. Um, we have some clients who will spend yeah eight dollars a day of other clients who spend, you know, a couple thousand dollars a month because they notice that they're getting inbound phone calls from prospective clients who are searching for things like financial advisor their location or fee only advisor in their location or you know and again you you have to play around with that and look at and think about what someone's searching for the great thing about google ads is well there's a couple there's a lot of great things um, one is the ability to retarget people right so basically following them around the web once they've been to your website um, which I think is interesting in itself, and we've all experienced that, right? When we've looked at a product on Amazon or something, and the next thing we know, we're like, we're seeing it everywhere. You know, you're on like 
the Weather Channel website and you're seeing ads for what you're looking at, you can do the same kind of thing. Um, and then the the other like just benefit of running Google Ads um, is is this the intent behind the person, right? Like when we were talking about Facebook Ads in the last episode, which if you, again if you haven't listened to that episode, go back and give it a listen. It's kind of the precursor to this one. But when we're running Facebook Ads, you're you're kind of putting yourself in front of someone and they're not asking for it, right? You're like, they're swiping through, they're going through their news feed or they're going through stories and then all of a sudden they're seeing your ad, right? So it's like you're inserting yourself right in the middle of what they, what they want, uh, you know, it, when, they're, when they're really just searching for pictures of their, their grandkids or whatever. So you're, it's more awareness and it's you know, putting something enticing in front of them to try and you know, get a lead, let's say, a lead magnet. This is different. This is someone who has intent, who is seeking out the advice, right? Which makes it so powerful. You know, if I'm if I'm going online and I'm searching for a financial advisor or a financial planner in my you know, location, I'm seeking it out, right? So you can expect to pay you know more for that, and you should want to pay more because you have someone who's who's kind of willing and and ready uh, to to try and talk to you. So, do you advise uh, contacting? clients where you get you well prospects i should say where you get an indication that they checked out your site do you do you respond to them right away how do you follow up on that yeah um well i mean obviously with with google ads and some of the retargeting what you can do is is kind of follow them around through google's display network and like you can start showing up on you know apps that they're using or Mm -hmm. you can be showing up on um you know other websites that they're affiliated with um now with the with the lead magnet thing, which we talked about last time, mm-hmm. that's a little different. Like if I if I capture someone's information, right? Like they go to my website, and I capture their information. I want to follow up quickly, and we talked about just the importance of speed to follow up, yep. right? And and how that impacts responsiveness. So that kind of stuff, I'm calling them, I'm emailing them, I'm putting them in my newsletter, I'm I'm dripping on them over time. How about LinkedIn, Kevin? Because LinkedIn was kind of the, if I were to say across the financial services industry, that was kind of the first uh, social media platform that I think made great inroads. Um, what about LinkedIn messaging? Is it is it effective? Yeah, um, I, I love that question. I wrote a book on LinkedIn um, a few years ago with Matt Oxley called The Indispensable LinkedIn Sales Guide for Financial Advisors. Uh, and we talked a lot about using LinkedIn to get introductions, to spread word of mouth, right? To, to say, you know what, I'm connected to John, who's connected to Don, and I'm going to ask John for an introduction to Don. And, and it works, right? It, it, it's great. But um, the, one of the things that we've, we've done, and we've actually done this for advisors, is run LinkedIn cold messaging campaigns. Uh, and we asked... And when I say cold messaging, this is what I mean. I mean, I don't know you, John, but I connect with you on LinkedIn, and then I send you a series of messages that are designed to eventually get you on the phone with me, right? So we asked the affluent in this study, would you respond to a LinkedIn message from an advisor? The under 45 category, about 39, almost 40% said, yeah, I would respond. Um, 45 to 65 age group, 11% said they would, and the over 65, 4%. So... You see a huge drop off when it comes to you know age, right? Like you know the older demographic in this study is you know, much less likely to respond. The under forty-five category much more likely to respond. And again, we could speculate all day long in terms of why that's the case. Um, but is it that there's just the technology is more native to them, and the, you know if it's personalized, they 
you know, and again, if you're going to do that, by the way, you know, getting outside of the data, you want to personalize that message as much as possible and everyone can see a copy and paste a mile away. Um, but they seem pretty receptive to it. Uh, and it's and it's something that we run campaigns for advisors all the time where we do this for them. Uh, and they get plenty of, of meetings with prospects from it. Hey, Kevin, another question. One stra- strategy that we see that seems to be coming really popular with people is this idea of a personal video message. It's like a one to three minute video shot from the advisor's desk and then they shoot it out by email or whatever it is. Is, is, is Have you done any research there? Is video more effective than, you know, traditional text or what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so another, another good, um, you know, uh, result of this study, right? Uh, and, and this white paper, by the way, if you don't have it, make sure you get a copy of it because it just has so many good takeaways, including this one, which is we asked the affluent, would you respond to a personalized video message from an advisor? Um, and taking a look at the the data, the under 45 category, 36% said very likely, 36% said likely, right? I mean, that, that's, pretty, that's pretty high. Um, 45 to 65 category, um, 16% said very likely, 43% said likely. And then the over 65 category, 11% said likely and 37%, sorry, uh, very likely and then 37% said likely. So you see a little bit of a drop off with age. I, I just, I, I don't know if you, have you have you ever gotten one of these messages, John? Have you ever yeah, had? Yeah, I have. Yeah. I, think, it, I think they're engaging, I really do. I think so too. Um, it, it, it could be the novel aspect of it, right? But it's like, you know, if I'm on if I'm on here and I'm waving and I'm saying, "Hey, John. Hey, how you doing?" You know, it's Kevin Nichols over at Oxley. I, it just I, it just feels so personal, and it feels like, wow, they took the time to do that. Um, so I, I could see that growing. I mean, there's a number of services that do this, like BombBomb is one. Um, there's one that we like using through Wistia. It's called Soapbox. Soapbox, like you're up, you know, getting on your soapbox. Um, but yeah, these, these are really cool tools, and um, if you can use them, again, from a compliance standpoint, I think incorporating them into your marketing, like how do you incorporate that into a LinkedIn messaging campaign? How do you incorporate that into a, you know, I just downloaded, you just downloaded my lead magnet, and now I'm sending you a personal video message. Um, hmm. I, I, just, I just think that there's a novel aspect to that that helps get a response. Well, Kevin, in, in the time we have left, I mean, we talked a lot about all kinds of different things that last episode this episode and they all kind of boil up into the grand finale of the online presence and you speak a lot about helping advisors build an online presence what do you mean by what is an online presence is it just having a website yeah. or is it more than that sounds so abstract doesn't it yeah. like hey uh, you know, what's your presence like online right. like, um, it's good <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean it sounds good but you know it's it's I, for me, it, it boils down to a couple of things. I mean, it's really anything, it's any existence of a business or a person that can be found online. So you think about like the existence of a person or a business online, that is quote unquote digital presence. So that boils down to things like website, right? You And also social media presence and also content, right? So website, you're thinking about SEO, you're thinking about, um, you know, Google ads, you're thinking about all of those things. Social media, you're thinking about Facebook business pages, LinkedIn personal accounts, LinkedIn company pages, maybe Twitter, maybe Instagram, if that's something that you're you're able to do. Probably not Snapchat or TikTok at this point. Um, but you're thinking about those types of platforms and then does that have a consistent branding and feel across, you know, them compared to your website? So it all looks cohesive. 
And then you're thinking about content that you're pushing out through those networks. Whether, you know, again, your website, you could be posting content, but also through Facebook and LinkedIn and such. You're thinking about social posts. You're thinking about videos. You're thinking about blogs and articles and all of that kind of good stuff. To me, the, the culmination of all of that is what is your, your social presence online. And there's no doubt in our minds and, and from this research that it's just, you know, every day it's becoming more and more important. And I was going to ask that, that the research you did shows that this does make a difference to consumers, right? Because the number of people who are viewing these types of posts on Facebook or other platforms. Yeah. I mean, even if we were talking about earlier, talking about just even if you got a referral that the person still looks you up. I mean, a lot of times their first impression of you is actually a digital impression. And so that's really, really important. It's not like the old adage of like, oh, the first five seconds you meet someone. No, it's now it's like I'm actually looking you up online and I'm coming into the conversation way more educated than I ever have before. And and for me, you know, I, I love this report and I, and I love this research. It, it's some of the most interesting that I think we, we've done at Oxley um, and the partnership has been fantastic with you guys. The biggest takeaway for me is the stat that we started with today which is method of searching for a financial advisor and that the under 45 category said I would start online first. Mm-hmm. And that's got to be a growing trend. That that stat just kind of screamed off the page to us. Um, and, you know, it's either like you get ahead of them or you're going to eventually, you know, fall behind. Well, and it would seem to me that when you talk about online presence, that being consistent, right, ac- across your mm-hmm. website and what you're posting and all that kind of points to your value proposition. I know you point to three benefits of online presence uh, and to mention them by name, providing social proof and building trust and essentially being top of mind. I'm wondering if just touch on each of those real quick to point out to our listeners how important those three things are. Yeah. I mean, the, the social proof element is just having a following, having a presence, being connected to other people. I mean, and, and I, I hate to say it like this, but if I, you know, if I'm looking up someone on Facebook and they have five people who like their business page and then I look at another advisor and they have 2000, there's some social proof there, right? Um, you think back to, you know, Cialdini and his book, um, what is it? The, um, psychology of persuasion, what influence the psychology of persuasion, such an interesting book. And he talks about social proof and just the importance that that plays into how we make decisions. Top of mind is, is just on a regular basis. You're pushing out content. You're, you're dripping on, on people. They're seeing you. And then when they have the need, even if the need isn't right now, you are the one that, that they think of. And then building trust. Um, trust is through good content. Mm-hmm. So we didn't talk a ton about that, but like when you're even thinking about like what you're putting out there, are you just posting third-party articles right, where all you're doing is linking to other resources, or are you putting out some original content that positions you as a thought leader? And that over time, again, when I have the need, I've been reading all the articles from, from John, the local financial advisor in the area, who you know is constantly putting out good content, and I'm ready to make a decision. And well, of course, I, I feel like I, I trust the advice because you've been putting out good content. So those three things are, are just invaluable, and it, and it, yeah, it comes down to consistency and quality for me. And I just you know, Kevin, I do quite a few live webinars, and I I noticed in your research about how preferred medium is changing in terms of educational content. And I would love to think that people are going to come and visit our site to find out when our live webinars are. 
But actually what we found more valuable is is recording video, maybe in segments, maybe in chunks, so that it's available for people on demand, not on my schedule, but on theirs. And I noticed your research shows a pretty pretty seismic shift in terms of, you know, kind of what people are looking for online. It's really not as much about the seminars and webinars anymore as it, as it is about the kind of the constant flow of educational material, whether that's video or, or written articles, written posts, those kind of things. Yeah. I mean, people want to consume content on their own time. Right. And, uh, and I love live webinars. I think live webinars can have a place. Um, but again, why not record it? Um, and host it on your website beh- behind some sort of lead capture form um, so that people can watch it when they want to watch it. Um, same thing with like a, with a podcast or how people are consu- you know, consuming this content right now. You're doing it when you want to do it. Um, the interesting thing about podcasts is you know, people can consume it when they're what exercising, right? Exactly, when they're yeah. in the car, when they're doing other things. And, and that's just um, a growing trend. But to your point about the video, the, the under 45 category said that is their preferred method of educational content from a financial advisor. Uh, and I, I've seen, we're working with some advisors and we, we do a lot of video production here at Oxley too, but working with some advisors who are taking their, their traditional seminars. So let's say your social security seminar, right? The traditional seminar that you're doing or on, you know, healthcare and retirement and recording that, putting it in segments like you're talking about, John, uh-huh. putting it on their website and saying, hey, watch our class on social security and you know, take our class on healthcare and retirement, take our class on RMDs, take our class on the secure act, take our class on, you know, whatever. And it's just, and it sounds, I, I even like the word class versus webinar, but I, I don't have data specifically on that. I just have data that video is, is becoming more and more popular. And I think the more that you can take that kind of stuff hosted on a website, it's, it's easier for you. But then, then what you're going to need to do is have some ads that drive people to it. And then you're going to need to drive the traffic for people to actually take that kind of stuff. And Kevin, as your clients engage you on this kind of strategy, how quickly do you advise uh, your clients to expect results from this? Like if I don't see anything next week, do I get totally discouraged? Or how long do you typically see things take to start to happen? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I think that we, we have some clients who have this very short-term mentality when it comes to digital marketing, and that's just not an ideal client for us, right? I mean, an ideal client for us is someone who sees the long-term benefit and knows that, like as we talked about, the, the trust does take some time. It's not that I just watched one of your videos and now I'm so compelled that I want to do business with you. It's that, geez, I've consumed quite a bit of your content at this point. So I, it's going to take some time, but... Um, you know, it, our clients who have been consistent with it for you know, a year or a couple of years now, they are seeing you know, tremendous results from it. But it, it takes time, it takes money, it takes effort, just like any other marketing um, activity. Uh-huh. Just like if I said, hey, you're going to start cold calling, right? Um, you know, it's like, you're going to, yeah, which you know, people still do nowadays. But you know, back in the day, if you were doing that, it would be consistent. Hey, how many dials are you doing every day, right? And it's right. going to be numbers, numbers, and numbers. It's going to be the same, same type of thing here. So, Kevin, given the kind of the the entirety of the two podcasts that we just did together, if there was one thing you'd advise advisors to do today, what would it be? Yeah, um, that's a, that's a good question. I mean, I, I it's. There's so many things um, <laughs> that I would recommend, but I would say this. I'd say that if you've been somewhat 
apprehensive in terms of jumping into the digital space. If you've said, hey, this is a trend that's going to go away or it's overhyped and you know, just looking at this research to us is, is proof positive that it's not going anywhere, that you need to get ahead of this stuff and that there's a big opportunity for, and I hate to say it, first movers because it seems like, yeah, it's been around forever, but there's, there's only a small sliver of advisors that I feel like that are really taking advantage of this opportunity. So take a hard look at your digital presence. We talked about what website, you know, social media, as well as content, and then commit yourself to doing it and saying, okay, well, you know what, first we need to do website, our website, and eh, maybe it kind of stinks. Maybe it doesn't do have all the features that we need. Maybe it doesn't position us ourselves properly. Start with that and then branch out into social media, then branch out into, you know, content. And I, um, because I, I can't tell you how many advisors I talk to who call us and say, Hey, I want to run, you know, lead magnet ads on Facebook, but they have a terrible website. I'm like, you know what? You need to back it up. You need to start kind of there as your central hub mm-hmm. and, and spread out from there. Well, that makes sense. Well, Kevin Nichols, thanks very much for joining us on both of these podcast episodes. I, I really appreciate the time you took with us. Hey, John, I had a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. And for, the, for those of you who are listening, again, if you haven't listened to episode 38, which was one immediately preceding this, please do so. Kevin shared a lot of good ideas on that podcast as well. So Kevin Nichols, Director of Coaching and Social Media at the Oxley Institute. And again, if you'd like to make yourself available to the information that we've created to help you through this research and through this process, you can go to hartfordfunds.com slash code. Again, that's hartfordfunds, all one word, dot com slash code. And you'll see all of our uh, research and material intended to help you unlock the affluent digital code. So for all of you listening, thanks very much. And we look forward to uh, presenting to you again on the next episode of the Human Centric Investing Podcast. This podcast is intended for use by financial professionals or in conjunction with the advice of a financial professional. It is intended to be educational in nature and should not be construed as individual investment advice or a recommendation or a solicitation to buy, sell, or hold any security or to adopt any investment strategy. It does not constitute legal or tax advice or fiduciary advice pursuant to ERISA rules. The views and opinions expressed herein are those of our featured guest who is not affiliated with Hartford Funds.